0: Hello, hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. I am your host, the one and only that I know of, Larry Morrison, the financial shaman. I'm sure there's more Larry Morrisons. I don't know if there's any more financial shaman, or at least (laughs) that are calling themselves that. And I definitely know there's no Larry Morrisons who are also calling themselves financial shamans, so I feel confident in that remark. Ah, hopefully you're doing well, my love to you. Thank you for coming and hanging out, listening to me speak from my heart. It's the only thing I have left to speak from now. My ego died on Saturday. About uh, almost a week ago. And I know how that sounds, and I'm okay with it. Because I'm honest. I don't know how else to be. I'm not trying to sell you some course, though I do have courses. Or sell you on a dream or an idea. But this is what all the work I've been doing on myself is leading to. This is all this higher vibration, higher. Awareness, higher consciousness, letting go, constantly working on letting go of limiting beliefs is, was leading to. I kind of thought that it would happen eventually. But um, after the core wound was, re- was released, that was the next step. So let me just break down a little bit of what I'm talking about. Okay, so, we have limiting beliefs, thousands of them typically, and under those limiting beliefs are emotions. There's never an emotion in a vacuum. Every time you feel a negative emotion, it is pointing you to a false belief or plenty of false beliefs. And when you don't listen to these negative emotions, they get lodged in your subconscious, in your body, if you will. And so you have thousands of limiting beliefs, usually hundreds. I think the max I've seen of trapped emotions is 800. Um, Most people have anywhere from 2 to 4 or 500 uh, trapped emotions over a lifetime of a normal 30, 40, 50-year-old adult. And then underneath those, so before I go that far though, we have the limiting belief... And I want you to think of a circle, like, with the two arrows that, like, make the circle, if that makes sense. Like, when you see a symbiotic circular relationship, right? Like, a a negative emotion and a limiting belief go hand in hand. They're married together. You will never have a negative emotion by itself. It will always have to do with what you're thinking about. Or where your perception is, or where your attention is, or a memory, or an imagined future. Worst case scenario, or something. It's no different than if you were to watch a horror movie in your imagination of, like, your kids dying, or something. Or something tragic happening to you. Or to someone you love, and the fear comes up. The worry and anxiety, right? That is your emotional guidance system doing exactly what it's supposed to do, saying, hey, you're listening to a false belief, you're believing a lie, you're watching a fake horror movie, if you want to keep these negative emotions coming up, then keep doing that. If not, let this go. But most people don't know that's what emotions are all about, right? You've heard me say this analogy before, where an emotion, a negative emotion is a smoke alarm going off in your body. And it's pointing you to a fire inside of you. The fire are the limiting beliefs that are are causing your perception of who you are in this reality to be tainted by ego, by limitation, by conditional love. So your emotional guidance system works the same for everybody. Of course, there's, you know, psychopaths and, you know, uh, mentally... Uh Disabled or handicapped, or whatever you know people with certain neuroses that are kind of like the outliers, but for let's say ninety percent of people, and probably ninety nine percent of people, this is how emotions work. <clears throat> so to understand how to process an emotion, you simply understand that when a negative emotion comes up, you stop what you're doing, and you pull out a piece of paper or a note app on your phone like I do. And say to yourself, what do I have to believe about this situation or myself to feel these feelings? And then watch as your mind or your conscious awareness will spit out all of the negative, uh, all the limiting beliefs. Usually a lot of them, right? Like I always, when I do this with my clients or myself, there's usually at least three, four, sometimes ten that come out. Right, so for example, if you're looking at your bank account and or your paycheck and you're thinking and you're starting to get worried or anxious or scared you're thinking about bills and you start, your mind starts to wander into the future and the first of the month is coming around and blah blah then the negative emotion comes up of that anxious worry fear and you stop and go wait a minute what do i have to believe about this situation in order to feel these feelings And then you have your notepad, right? And you go, uh, I have to think I'm not gonna make rent. I'm gonna get kicked out. People are gonna be upset with me. I'm gonna have to live with my parents. I'm gonna have to borrow money. (laughs) Heaven forbid we have debt that helps us. And then I'm gonna have to, everybody's gonna know I'm a failure and I'm gonna, everybody's gonna know I'm not good enough and blah, 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 blah. Okay. And so once you see the, uh, the, neg- or the limiting beliefs, rather, on paper, the emotion has done its job. So it starts to dial back the strength of the emotion. It doesn't eliminate it completely. Hello. Morning. Morning. It doesn't eliminate it completely because the beliefs are still there. Right? So if you're anxious in this hypothetical about your bank account or about um, <clears throat> your paycheck or whatever, the beliefs are still there, but at least now you're aware of them. <coughs> Excuse me. At least now you're aware of them. So your emotions start to dial back. And remember that negative emotion is always your heart's way of letting you know that you're listening to a false belief, okay, or believing a false belief. And so the heart will dial it back once it's, seen, once you are exposed to those limiting beliefs. Okay. But it'll still be present, the negative emotion will still be present right there if you don't do anything with them. But seeing them, becoming aware of them is a huge step. This is how we process an emotion. Next, we need to identify the belief of all the ones that come out. So there's a three-part process here. Of all the ones that come out of like the eight or 10 or three or four or whatever, you s- now we need to identify the belief. That's step two. So, what you do is, and what I'm talking about is what's worked for me. I know every single thing that I'm saying works. I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm not saying it's the best way. I'm not saying it's my way. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying it works. I know it does because I've done it and I'm to a, a new place. In my life experience now, beyond the ego, because of this pr- this work, this process. Okay, so don't get hung up on oh, where it came from or all that stuff doesn't matter. I, you know, when I'm in the spiritual community, and for instance, I have a client who's a medium, um, <laughs> not husky medium, like she could speak to people who have crossed over medium or I have a client who's a pendulum healer and I say the same thing to everybody right which is um, I don't care what modality it is I do not care I am unattached to the way it looks or sounds as long as it works and so hopefully you will join me in that thinking and that open-minded thinking to say it doesn't matter if it's channeled from freaking aliens if i invented it if i took bits and pieces of it from other teachers which is somewhat true and put it all together like frankensteined it together it doesn't matter as long as it works i don't care what you use I don't care if you meditate and get some uh, huge awareness and like, ooh, this is the way I want to do it. I don't care as long as it works. And what I'm saying is this way works. I don't, I'm not even going to name it my way or Larry way or the shaman way or any of that shit. It's just, this is how to process an emotion. This is how to identify a belief. This is how to work on a trauma and that's all. Okay. So don't get too hung up on that. Now we've processed the emotion. Now I identify the belief. So you have this list of beliefs in front of you. You can see them, you're aware of them. So now what you do is you read, you try to take a deep breath, let go of anything and everything, be very present with your list and just read them back to yourself one at a time. And one of them is gonna stand out stronger than the rest. One of them is going to throng in your body. There's the, the emotion's going to be slightly stronger on one of them, right? So again, let's go back to the hypothetical that says, um, you know, I'm worried I won't make rent, blah 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 blah, and it comes up to the one I'm going to have to move back with my parents, right? And that's the one that you read them all, and then that's the one that sticks out stronger. You read them as many times as you need to all the way through, and one of them will stick out more than the rest. It always does. <clears throat> and now you've isolated the belief. Okay? So that's the belief you work on. So you take out a separate piece of paper or a new note section or whatever. And you put it on, It's all, like I said, its own piece of paper. And so now it's, I'm afraid I'm going to have to move back with my parents. Well, that's a fear. So I'm going to have to move back with my parents is the belief. Now, hypothetically, now what you do from there after you've isolated it is you use Byron Katie's the work. Byron Katie is a woman. And if you knew that, most people do. But I say Byron and people are like, I don't want to, you know, i never heard of that dude. (laughs) Well, clearly because it's a woman so she is one of my favorite spiritual teachers this work she's the same way i am with this she's like i don't own this work it came to me use it as free will like she gives it away it's not patented or any of that stuff she's been doing it 30 plus years everywhere from prisons to schools to everything in between from (laughs) she started in church basements uh, in the 80s and in barstow california and uh has been working it and is now world-renowned, world, world renowned, right, four, 35, 40 years later. But the work is profound, and the teacher is too, but the work itself is profound. That's what we call it. That's what she calls it, the work. And it's just four questions and a turnaround. So I'm going to have to, the four questions are these. I'm going to have to move in with my parents. Is that true is the first question. And this is where you let whatever's gonna come out, come out. You don't try to be spiritual, you don't try to think too much, don't overanalyze. There's no wrong way to do this. You want to allow and not resist. You don't wanna judge what comes out. Don't resist, whatever comes out needs to come out. One of the major hallmarks of all of what we're talking about is giving yourself the space to be wrong, to not try to do this right, to figure it out with love, which means not judging what comes out of your mouth or on the paper. It's just unconditional love. Can you unconditional love yourself to allow yourself to have whatever come up, come up, whether it's tears, whether it's uh, strong, resistance, whether it's, yeah, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. All that is totally welcome and allowed. It's totally okay. This is your process, right? This is the tools I'm giving you, but this is your process. So, I'm going to have to move back in with my parents. Is that true? And maybe you're like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Okay, can you absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's true? Well, no. I mean, not without a shadow of a doubt that I don't know if that's going to happen. Okay, and that's perfect. So now you go back to the emotional guidance system. Now that it's isolated, now that the belief is isolated, we go back to the emotional guidance system and say, how, when you you know when you believe that you're going to have to move back in with your parents, how does that feel? Ah, it feels lonely. It feels like a failure. I feel unloved, unworthy. I feel not good enough. I feel lost and scared and alone, right? And then you let all that come out. And then you shift gears, take another deep breath, take, shift gears, and you say to yourself, okay, without this belief, if it was gone and out of my subconscious, if we could just pluck it out of your mind, or if you could imagine a future you, you know, a day, a year, a month from now, I probably should have gone day, month, year. But day, month, year from now, that didn't have this belief, how would you feel then? Well, I'd feel free. I'd feel relaxed. I'd feel confident. I'd feel at peace. I'd feel grateful to be alive. And I'd feel loved and seen by the universe. Okay. So right there, stop and take a look that your emotional guidance system is calibrated perfectly. You are a human lie detector. What I mean by that is the truth will never make you feel bad. The truth will never bring up negative emotion. Okay. So when you feel negative emotion, that's a lie. So with this belief, you feel scared and alone and and like you're not good enough. That means it's a lie. Without it, you feel free and expansive and confident and all of this stuff. That means that's the truth. That's source. When you're aligned to a source, you feel free, expansive, evolving, loving of yourself and everything. You feel at peace. You feel at home with who you are. When you're identified with the ego or a lie, you feel terrible, confined, restriction, restricted, trapped. On and on, alone, all that stuff, unloved, unseen, uncared for, all that stuff. So stop and tell yourself, my emotions are saying this is a lie. Which is my heart. Your emotions are how your heart communicates with you. Just like the old school game when we were kids of hotter and colder. Remember you'd, have, you'd be in a room or in an area and you'd have your friend close their eyes and there was something they were trying to find. And they would be feeling around with their eyes closed or with a blindfold on. And you'd be like, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. Oh, cold, cold, frozen cold. You're way off base. That's what your emotions are doing. That's what your heart is doing. You're blindfolded in life. And your heart is playing this game with you. Warmer, warmer, warmer. That's excitement. When you're getting close to your true essence, what you're supposed to be doing, the path that you're on. Warmer, you get excited. Just like when you're playing this game. Ooh, warmer, I'm excited, I'm going to find it. That's excitement. That's leading you in the right direction. Colder, negative emotion. Right? I feel sad, I feel scared, I feel depressed. You're going in the way wrong direction. You're way off base. Now, everything is okay. It's all unconditional love. You're not doing life wrong. But that's just the game, what we're playing. And sometimes we have to go into the darkness, into that depression, and... And all that to wake up to what I'm telling you, okay? So now you go into the turnaround. The turnaround is very simple. You just flip the belief to its opposite. And you say, I'm going to have to move in with my parents. So the turnaround would be, I'm not going to have to move in with my parents. And then you go one at a time, find in any scenario, whether it's coming from your heart, whether it's coming from your mind, whether it's coming from your imagination, find three examples or three ways to validate that. I'm, I'm not going to have to move back with my parents. Well, if things did get really bad, I'd move in with my girlfriend or boyfriend or my friend over here. Or maybe I'd pull out a loan. And, like, you, you can think of other ways that you wouldn't have to do that, right? And then the, the second one is, you know... Um, I'm not going to have to live with my parents. So I don't know, like you just find other ways and make sure you check in, you're check checking in with your heart because it's going to have the truth, right? You close your eyes, you take a deep breath. I'm not going to have to move in my parents. Why would I? Because I'm an infinite creative being and this is an opportunity to create something new. That's what my heart just said in this hypothetical right now, <sighs> right? So. Now, here's where it gets interesting, is if your mind is strongly fighting you, like strongly fighting you during this process, and it won't shut up, it's like, no, you won't, blah, blah, ra ra. nope, this is bullshit, I don't want to do this, let's fucking watch TV, blah, 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 blah then most likely what's happening is you have a trauma attached to this underneath so the layers work like this it's for me in my opinion it's li- limiting beliefs which you have thousands of okay then underneath that is trapped emotion the emotion that was trying to tell you these limiting beliefs throughout your life that you didn't listen to that got lodged inside of you that now they get triggered every time you, um, you bump up against a limiting belief like this or look at a paycheck in this hypothetical scenario. Then underneath those are traumas. Traumas, contrary to popular belief, are not necessarily abuse. A lot of people think trauma means abuse. It does not. Trauma to a child could simply be when you were told no, that you couldn't have a cookie after dinner. Okay, okay because what trauma does is reinforce a lot of these limiting beliefs that you're conditionally loved. And so I'm not gonna go into the depth of trauma work here, but I will say the only way I have found and seen results in all the ways I have looked at it that you have to do inner child work. You have to go stop what you're doing, say, you know, my, my, like ask your heart or your subconscious or whatever, Please show me where the trauma is underneath this belief. And where is not like where in your body, where is where in the timeline. Where in your past did this get lodged? And it doesn't mean it always came from age one through seven when most of our subconscious programming was written. It could have been something in your 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever that reinforced this belief and had it lodged inside your psyche, inside your subconscious. The trauma is like an anchor. So trauma can have 30 to 50 trapped emotions anchored to it and have hundreds of beliefs around it. Because what essentially is happening is you experience a trauma, but if you don't know how to process that trauma, you store it to try to protect yourself from something like that happening again. And you make all these other limiting beliefs Around it to try to protect yourself. I've used this analogy before, but let me go into it. The analogy is, if you've ever been in a serious car accident, right? That's physical trauma and emotional trauma usually. It's very diff. I mean, it does happen when you have physical trauma, and it doesn't create like emotional trauma, but most of the time it does. I can't say most of the time, I don't know everybody's different. it just depends so but in this hypothetical, um you get in a car accident, right, and that's a you have an emotional trauma, right? maybe you were close to death or something like that and um and so now, to protect yourself from this happening again, this deep, deep pain, let's just let's just keep the emotional pain, let's not keep the physical pain. Right, So you have this deep, deep pain around this subject. So now you start making up beliefs like cars aren't safe and it's not safe to drive at night and it's not safe to be in a car. And it's, you know, I could die tomorrow and uh, blah, 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 blah. So now you don't even wanna get in a car ever to protect yourself from that happening again. And you can obviously see the problem with never getting in a car again. Like you're basically stuck to your house or where you can walk or ride a bike or whatever, one wheel. (laughs) So you can see the obvious limitation in trying to protect yourself from hurting again in this way by limiting you. But that's exactly what we do and we do it all of the time with heartbreak, definitely with money. Everybody has some kind of financial trauma I find. Even if it's just when they were kids and their parents told them we couldn't afford to take them to Disneyland or to get into that, you know, um, school that they, private school that they wanted to go to or take the art class, whatever. Like, we can't afford it is a trauma to a lot of kids. And so um, then they make all of these stories about money. And you see it all the time with broken hearts too, right? Like, it's, you know... Relationships are dangerous, and I don't want to open my heart, and I don't want to fall in love, and all this kind of stuff, because they don't want to experience the pain again. But you can see the obvious limitation with trying to cut yourself off from love, or just the same, or money, or uh, getting in a car. So this is how we protect ourselves from the trauma happening again because we don't know how to process it. Okay, and you have to go back, and I'm not going to spend time with that now, but you have to go back. And talk to the younger self who experienced that. Even if it was just a year ago, it's still your younger you. (laughs) Who experienced that, gain all the wisdom that they were trying to share from it, soothe that thing, and then let it go. I'll probably end up doing a trauma work course to go into the detail nitty gritty eventually. Maybe by the end of the year. Okay? So now you have limiting belief layer, which is thousands of them. You have the trapped emotion layer, which is hundreds of them. And then you have the trauma layer, which is typically anywhere from, I see most of the time, if somebody's never done any trauma work, 40, 30, 30 to 45 traumas we've experienced by the age of, I mean, I have a client right now who's just the sweetest heart you can be. 21, with 45 traumas she's experienced. She had a very rough childhood. Anyway, my point is, so now we have the trauma layer. So as you understand all of this, as I did, I started, what did I do? I went to work on my traumas. I held space for me to go do it. I had other people hold space. Holding space simply means having a second set of eyes, an unconditionally loving second set of eyes, that could possibly see different perceptions of what I was dealing with, right? So I had people hold it, I held it for myself, I did a lot of this myself, at least half, probably. Um, And once you unload all the traumas, and you can't unload all these traumas at once, you know, it takes time. Um, I made the mistake of doing more than one trauma in a day And my body and subsequently my heart and the universe really made me pay for it. (laughs) Don't ever do that again. And I'm not going to go into the details of what happened, but let's just say I was down for the count for a week. Not sick, but like, wow, psychologically spinning out of control okay so don't i always say give yourself at least 48 hours in between doing trauma sessions with my clients i do it once a week so we have plenty of time for the body to recover because you're uh, you're unloading a lot of energy okay then once all the trauma is gone once all the trapped emotions are gone and i'm not going to get into how to release trapped emotions Uh, there's a great book called uh, the Emotion Code by Bradley Nelson that talks about it. Uh, I have my own ways of doing it as well. But um, there, there we can, you know, that's a whole nother subject. But you, once all the traumas are gone, once all the trapped emotions are gone, there's still going to be plenty of limiting beliefs, but there's going to be like probably thousands less, or they have less weight to them now. When the trapped emotions, and the traumas are gone. It's like you've taken out all of the roots from the garden. And so, if there's stuff still left, it's just easy to push over with the little Byron Kitties to work and just be like, oh, I don't deserve money. That's bullshit. Here's why, blah, 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 boom. And it's gone out of your subconscious. So, um, here's what happened to me. And no one taught, I mean, people taught me bits and pieces of this, but I put it together and obviously through my meditation and my guidance from my heart, it showed me the rest of this. And again, I'm not saying that this is the only way. I'm just saying this is the way I found and I know works, okay? So then what happens is you release the core wound. The core wound can only be um, released after you have released all of the trauma. Imagine like an anchor, like it's a layer of anchors or a layer of roots going down in a cone shape, right? It's like the cone of the self. And so tons at the top of the layer, the top of the cone, tons and tons of uh, limiting beliefs, the second layer down, hundreds of trapped emotions, the next layer down, tens, of traumas and the next layer down one core wound everybody has only one core wound the core wound is always the same though it's played out differently in every single person's life it's like a fingerprint okay everyone has a fingerprint so in that way it's always the same but every fingerprint is different i hope that makes sense So everyone's core wound is always the same, but it's expressed or experienced different in every single human's life. The core wound, and I wrote this down so I can get it exactly right for you guys. Core wound, there we go. The core core wound is when you fully believe unconditional love is lost, and conditional love is reality. Okay? So, basically, we come from unconditional love. We are made of unconditional love. Unconditional love is another name for God. Everything you will ever experience is unconditional love just like you are. You see this in children. They are completely aligned to a source and completely unconditionally loving. Their consciousness levels are off the chart. But eventually, we all take on the wound, which is conditional love. Conditional love, the wounding, creates the ego. It creates the, um, if you will, the hall pass or the costume that all of us must wear to play the game of life, of physical reality here on The Human Experience. It's the core wound is what makes you human. It's what creates the ego that constantly tell you that conditional love is the actual way of reality. Okay. So once you get through all, you can also tell the core wound. It's pretty simple to understand. It's the worst pain you've ever experienced in life the worst pain you've ever experienced in life. And it usually has a number of traumas around it like an epicenter. Of an epicenter of like an earthquake, right? So, um, or the eye of a storm, if you will, right? So for me, I can speak from my experience, my core wound was when my mom died in 2015. And you go, Larry, wait a minute, you had an ego way before 2015. Yes, of course we all take on a core wound, right? When we're very young, like before two, we all get core wounded. When the toddler gets spanked the first time or when their mom yells at them or their dad yells at them the first time, they're core wounded. They've taken this on, but eventually it grows into another, it mutates into another type of thing. What I mean is, it eventually has a giant bomb blowing up in your life. Because that is the way the mere reality reflects back to you, bigger, louder, stronger, that this wound exists and that you need to deal with it. So you can be wounded and traumatized multiple times. But the biggest pain you've ever experienced will always, typically, I can't say always because like I said, it's everybody's unique, but will be, it's as if you lost unconditional love. You never actually lose it, but you believe that you do. And so that belief literally stabs you through the heart multiple times. So when my mom died, she was the anchor for unconditional love in my life. Even though like I said before 2015 I was I definitely had a core wound believing that this place was conditional. But when she died it exposed it on a whole new level. I was obviously completely distraught and a <laughs> a mess. So, when you release the core wound, you have basically put the ego on notice that its end is coming if you continue to go down that road because to release the core wound is to remember that you are unconditional love that you are unconditionally loved at all times no matter what that will never change as long as you exist and you will always exist so this is and the more you remove all the trauma, then you finally remove the core wound, the ego that is you. For me, it's you know Larry Morrison. It's lessened more and more and more and more you know your God. More and more you know the truth of who you are and the truth of the universe. But it doesn't say that the ego doesn't have a lot less to teach or anything left to teach rather. Then you're in what I call the end game. Yes, I took it from the Avengers, but that's technically a chess term. So the end game is when you have the ego on the ropes. You know your unconditional love, but it still has a lot of power to dissuade you, to distract you, and all of that kind of stuff. And what you have to do is you have to love your ego to death. You have to bring all of that which you are and unconditionally love your ego. And while you're doing that, you have to be able to catch its tricks. What I mean is, your ego is kind of like a magician. And you have to be the my cousin Vinnie Joe Pesci, who is the ego, the, the magician's worst nightmare. That you are like, oh, I, got, I see what you're doing there. Oh, you're palming that. Oh, you got a card up your sleeve. Oh, I see that. I see that. I see that. Basically, it's the way I look at it is like the ego throws a ball at you. And if you don't have your hands up or a glove, if you're looking at like baseball, it throws a baseball at your head. And if you don't have a glove up to catch it, you're going to get hurt. And so this is what it does. It keeps throwing the baseball at your face. And if you don't catch it, you're like, oh, my God, I just got my nose broken, and now I'm down for the count, and I think I'm unworthy, and all this other shit, right? So it has a number of different tricks, like, like, but it's a limited number, which is beautiful. But it has a number of different tricks. I'm talking, I think, somewhere in the realm of 50-ish uh, different tricks that I've cataloged, 60, maybe? and ways that it hooks your conscious awareness and controls you like a puppet okay so the end game is mapping your ego mapping all of its tricks figuring out every single one of its magician's misdirections and then catching it in the act for me, the one it used so heavily was pulling my imagination into the future. It my, my mind Since I was young, my mind has always escaped into the future because I, I was an abused child. So that's how I escaped was into my imagination. And so I've spent a lot of time in the future, which is a fantasy, of course. The future is always going to be in your imagination because it's always now. And don't get me into, like, psychics and reading the future and all that shit. That's a whole other ball of wax. For 99% of human beings, (laughs) the future is now and always will be a fantasy. Okay? And it's always the same. To, To think about the future is to say that the now isn't good enough because I'm not good enough. Okay? So that was the major one it used. But it didn't stop there. I mean, it used every single one of them against me. And I would catalog it and catch it, catalog it and catch it. This took months, months, to keep my present moment awareness on the, and focus and meditate and catch it and, med- and be like, oh, I fell off. Well, shit, you got me. You go, I feel like crap. Okay. Ugh, let's, go to, let's go to bed, take a nap, right? Smoke a joint, whatever. And uh, come back at it tomorrow. You know, we'll start again. And this is a couple podcasts ago. I talked about determination and the difference between determination and being stubborn. And this is what it it takes. It takes determination to get knocked down and get back up and try again and go at it and go at it and go at it and go at it. Because if not, and, and get, don't get me wrong, a lot of people stop here. A lot of the spiritual masters and teachers you will find... Have released the core wound and stopped. But not released the ego. Actually, most of them. If they've even gotten to the core wound. Um, we'll stop here. As my heart tells me, which could or not be true, who knows. No one's beaten the ego in a thousand years since Babaji did it. Okay? <clears throat> so... You catch the ego, you catch the ego, you catch the ego, you catch the ego. Like playing catch with your opponent. That's why I call the ego my opponent. It's my opponent in the game. And really what it's doing is it's teaching you. It's teaching you through what not to do. It's keeping your present moment awareness focused and sharp. Right? And it's kind of like doing that. Like if any time you lose present moment awareness, it slaps you in the face. Come back to the now. Come back to the now. Come back to the now. Okay. So now I was catching it. I was catching it. I was catching it. Oop, fell off. Well, let's try again tomorrow. Oop, I got angry. There's some limiting beliefs I need to look at. All right, let's try again tomorrow, you know. Let's try again, we'll catch, catch and release, catch and throw the ball back, catch and throw the ball back. And then after a while, none of the balls get by you. None of the balls get by you anymore. Oh, I can see that, and you're catching it faster and releasing it faster, and I kept finding words I could use like, oh, I don't wanna know the future. The future is imaginary. I wanna stay in the now where it's infinite possibilities and all my power is, right? So just using it over and over and over and over and over and for months. And then one day and I could t- you could talk to your ego too. One of the major hallmarks of this is knowing how to talk to your heart and differentiate when your heart and your ego are talking to you. That's kind of like step 1 in this process, even before you start working on traumas. So you, I would I, I, at first I thought my ego was my enemy but no it's me it's a part of me so then I looked at it as an opponent which softened it which I could still love it and love what it was doing because any good game needs a strong opponent for to bring out the best in you okay so so I kept catching it and kept catching it and kept catching it And then one day, my heart says, "Oh, actually, hold on, I went, (laughs) I missed this, I I skipped a step." Well, in my story, not what you have to do, but there was this moment where I almost had a panic attack. It was the day before my ego died, and my my heart instead of. instead of like just saying don't use the imagination anymore which it tried to warn me not to but i couldn't figure out how to not let my mind slip into my imagination and like i worked hard to stay in the present moment the present, but damn it it was it felt almost impossible for me And i was like ah maybe it'll take a decade to to fully stay in the moment and tons of meditation that's okay I'm not in a hurry right and so what it did was it's like okay I'm not this isn't working so what I'm gonna do <laughs> this is what my heart did it's like well let's try this so my heart fed me a story because the ego is the small story so my heart fed me the biggest fucking story you could imagine like Like, basically, I was the second coming of Christ. Except bigger. Except way bigger. And, like, it kept feeding me this for months as I was trying to catch and release and catch and release. And it's like, damn it. But I'm listening to my heart, so it's okay. But this day happened where the story got so big that my ego had a panic attack and what I had to do was be like ego I love you don't worry I got you we're gonna be okay and I loved it I loved it like it was a child having a tantrum or a panic attack and you know I just sat there and loved on it and then the next day In the afternoon, it was like, okay, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to die. And of course, it doesn't actually die. Because it never leaves you. But I basically sat in meditation and cried and had a eulogy for it, is what it told me to do. Is to send it off and say goodbye and write the story, write the finish to the story. And I saw it as one of my greatest teachers. It taught me so much. It still continues to teach me as I write about it and think about it and podcast about it. And so I wrote a eulogy at you know, and then in my imagination, me and my ego. It tried to say, oh, no, nope, I'm not leaving. I'm just talking with you. I'm like, oh, okay, no worries. You know, I love you either way. Then it was like, "Ah, oh. you know, it tried to throw me one last ball. And then it happened. It brought me into my imagination, the same as I'd done with all my traumas, in a completely dark room where I could just see it and me. And it told me, I have two last things to tell you before we go. And already I'm on like, wow, I'm I'm crying. Tears are rolling down my cheeks. And it said, there's two rules that you need to know before I leave. Rule number one, and it still breaks my heart a little bit to think about. Rule number one, you can never come back here. And that's when it started to sink in. A part of me was dying. Like I was losing a parent or a teacher. Somebody's been with me my whole life. And I just cried. For what seemed like forever. And the weight of it—I can never come back and talk to my teacher again. <sighs> ah, I'm so grateful, but it still hurts, still raw. <laughs> it wasn't even a week ago, and then uh, rule two—it said. No more judging. can't judge anymore. To be unconditionally loving is to let go of judgment altogether. And it said, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to get mad, but you cannot judge yourself or anything that happens anymore. You might fall into judgment, come right back out of it. Everything is perfect, nothing is wrong. Everything is happening as it should be. There are no mistakes and you are unconditionally loved no matter what. Because for the ego to die, the ego is conditional love. That's what it's born of, that's what it's made of. Which is why it's finite. It cannot live forever. Because everyone comes to the moment where the ego dies. Usually it's when the body dies, unfortunately. I just happen to be a very lucky man. And a relentless, determined one that got to this point. And so I had a few last words of goodbye and in this completely black room it opened the door and asked me to leave and said it's time for me to rest, my work is done. I was sobbing and I said I love you so much and I just said I know and I closed the door and from that moment on I couldn't it was sealed forever I couldn't access it it's still with me of course but I can't get there I can't talk to it it's gone Then I woke up the next day, and I knew something was very, very different. (sighs) First thing I noticed is my mind was much, much quieter. (sighs) Then I noticed I didn't have the same urgency to do anything. Nothing was urgent. Actually, I didn't feel like I had to do anything. Ever. Like, everything just gets done. When it's time, I'll know it's time, and I'll get it done. But this fake imagined future was still there. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's like heart is my ego dead and it's like yes i'm like what, what is why am i still imagining this future what what is going on like i couldn't figure it out it took me a at least what let's see i think it took two days to figure out what was happening like what was happening was the ego was gone but the programming it had it had created was still there weak to be sure but it was still there. All the subconscious beliefs that it had created were there, and you don't have to get rid of all the subconscious beliefs. But basically, what had happened is the ego had created a phantom. I call a phantom that thing where um, everyone has. When everybody knows when I'm going to when I say it, you're going to be like, "Oh, I get it." A phantom is the f- fake, imagined version of someone that hurt you, that's only in your mind. So for for instance, my dad, you know, uh, was a sociopath and abused me. And he was the one that kind of basically kickstarted my ego, right? And made me feel conditionally loved and not good enough and all that. Well, I didn't talk to my dad for 18 years, but he was still in my head, judging me, telling me what not to do, telling me I'm not good enough. It was a phantom of him. It wasn't the actual man. Right? So that's what I mean by a phantom. It's the imagined version of this person that hurt you. And don't get me wrong, the ego had hurt me a lot. Even though I was grateful and I love it and I still do. It had hurt me a lot. So I had a... It it left a phantom. The phantom is the last thing to go. And that was not it, the phantom is way weaker because it, it's only it can only use a handful of the ego's tricks it still was pulling my imagination in it still was um like trying to make me feel like i'm better than people uh self-righteous it even used a little bit of martyrdom it was it's very elusive and weak so my emotions couldn't help that much my feelings like I, everything was so subtle Like, everything was so subtle, like, just a little twinge of fear, and I'd have to be like, whoa, 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 what was that? Like, because, remember, emotions are strong when you're not paying attention. When you're paying attention, and when you know how to process all this stuff, and you're cleaning it all out, now everything becomes quiet and subtle, super, super subtle. Like, now everything I feel has to be under a magnifying glass. And so, like, you know, like, I'm Sherlock, like, well, what was that feeling? What was that? That's a clue. Where is that? Where's that going? Right? Because it's not a loud smoke alarm anymore. It's like, it's like, basically slightly smell, instead of a fire, it's like slightly smelling propane or the gas oven. I'm like, what was that? Wait a minute. What is that? Like way before a fire. Right? And... I was like, okay, here we go again. Like, I thought I was done, but I guess we're not done. And that's totally okay. There's nothing wrong. Everything is perfect. This is just a part of the game. No problem. So, I So I. put my, my trusty tool belt on. All I had mapped about the eagle. I was like, all right, I guess we're playing this game again. And I was like trying to just be positive about it. Good, I get to sharpen my skills even more. I I was mourning the ego, but here I have its replacement. It's a husk of my former teacher, but it's something to play with. So, all right, let's do this. And I did the same thing. We bat the ball around. Come Come at me again. Let's go. Over and over and over for almost a week. And then this morning... I woke up and it was gone and I know it was gone not only because my heart told me it was gone but I can't imagine the future anymore I literally can't every time I try to focus my imagination into the future it disappears like water through my hands and the same with the past like I know my memories happened But every time I reach for him to like put myself in something, it just, it just disappears almost instantly. Everything is quiet. Like I'm in a constant meditation unless my heart is talking to me. And I, my writing has vastly improved. Ridiculous. Like I was already a good writer. I I feel like I'm not, this isn't a brag, like, I'm a pretty good writer, and not only does everybody say that reads my work, not that I need that validation, but I mean, I got my first book hit Amazon bestseller, and also because of the amazing content, like, the much needed, what I was talking about was very needed, but my point is, like, I was already a pretty good writer, but now it's phenomenal, it's this high consciousness stuff, so like my passions have vastly improved i don't second guess myself on anything everything is perfect and i did inventory and i only have a couple hundred limiting beliefs left hundred and i think i'm at 194 limiting beliefs left which probably take me about three or four months to get through depending i found a few ways a few skeleton keys that can knock out multiple beliefs at once but For the most part, um, even if I did them one at a time, it would only take a couple of months. Eh, Four or five months, maybe. And so... This is the path that I've found. There is a way out of the matrix. And there's no noise in my head at all. There's zero noise. I see colors brighter, more crisp... I don't sleep as much at all. I'm sleeping like five hours a night and feel fully regenerated, rejuvenated throughout the day. Now I'll take a nap here and there. Oh, and when I work with clients, I am razor-focused. And every everything that comes through is fucking magic. So, the last thing I'm doing is Just going to sweep away the remains of these last limiting beliefs and then I'll let you know where I am. But I just want... I, I didn't think I would tell this story like this. But I just want you to know, if you're listening to me, I am authentically myself. Anybody who knows me knows that not only do I not lie or bullshit... But I'm always the same. I'm the same guy. If you meet me in person, I'm the same guy as you're hearing here, as you see on videos, as you see in courses, as you see doing talks. I'm the same guy. Right? I'm authentically me. And so this is what happened to me. And I'm saying this not to brag. I'm saying this not to tell you that I won I'm saying there's a way out there is a way out and I have found a way I'm not saying it's the way I'm not trying to make a fucking religion out of this I'm just saying I found a way and so everything from now on is going to be me teaching people and helping people through that way and maybe adding new things, taking away new things. I'm always evolving and I'm always going to evolve the way, but the tools and the mechanics, processing emotion, identifying beliefs, undoing the trauma underneath it, all the way to the core wound, and then lastly, the end game, beating the ego and its phantom. And you're free. There's literally nothing wrong. There never was, but now I see it clear. I'm never gonna run out of money. I'll always have enough. Like, I knew that. But now I really... It's not even a knowing, it's just one plus one is two. It's just fact. I'm unconditionally loved. That's just... No shit. It's the building block of everything. I don't have to become anything. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be anywhere. All the chasing is done. I'm here. I'm now. I'm home. And while there's a little bit left to work on because there'll always be something to work on. I can always evolve. I'm always evolving. Changing perception, letting go of yesterday. Adopting today's ideas. Filtering through my heart. I will spend the rest of my days helping people get to this place. I am an alchemist. And it finally, this morning, dawned on me what that means. In the parables, an alchemist, or like the book that I love, an alchemist is someone who turns lead into gold. But in reality, or in this so-called reality that we call physical reality, an alchemist is not someone who turns lead into gold, I'm not somebody who turns lead into gold it's someone who turns humans into gods and that's what I'm put on this earth to do so stick around and no matter what you do know that you're unconditionally loved at all times no matter what that there's nothing you need to do that thing you need to become, that you will always be unconditionally loved because that's what you're made of. That's what you come from. That's all there is. I unconditionally love you. I appreciate you listening. I hope it's helped in some way to at least know that there's a way out and that you can do it. If you're listening to me, that means your heart is calling you to do it and it's going to take however long it's going to take don't be in a rush because every step of the way is supposed to be that way we are different leaves on the same tree different waves on the same ocean (sighs) we are the heartbeats of God We are God, it's the only thing there is. (sighs) Be well, good journey my friends.